0: and welcome back to Emily's Book Club. For any new listeners, my name is Emily Burgess and I'm an 18-year-old high school senior based in upstate New York. When I'm not doing schoolwork or dancing ballet, I love to read books, so this podcast is a wonderful excuse for me to talk about something I love with people I love. New episodes are released on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, and each features at least one special guest to talk about a novel or anthology. I apologize for the brief hiatus I took between last week's Beloved episode and this one. I had some dance performances that led to scheduling issues, but I am thrilled to be back today, joined by one of my first friends, Veronica Lewis. Today, Veronica and I will be discussing Jane Austen's Emma. Emma is a classic comedy filled with miscommunication, meddling, and love. The protagonist, Emma Woodhouse, is beloved and wealthy, but also precocious and self-involved and creates mayhem by playing matchmaker among her friends. Her attempt at creating matches leads to confusion and conflict between the characters of the novel and chaos ensues. While I readily acknowledge that the joy of surprise is essential to the reading experience, I cannot guarantee that there will not be spoilers from this point of the episode on. If you're so inclined, feel free to pause here, read the book and cycle back later. Without further ado, please join me in welcoming today's guest, Veronica Lewis. Veronica, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, doing well. It's been a busy time, as you know, with graduation and everything, but I've always liked being busy, so it's good. Um, yeah. All right, so for listeners, when Veronica and I were brainstorming on podcast ideas, she listed Emma as one of her favorite books. So we quickly settled on the novel for this episode topic. Veronica, what aspects of Emma earned it a spot on your list of favorites?
1: I think the reason I gravitated towards Emma is that it's a book filled with young people and kind of the uh, Jane Austen's take on you know, youthful misunderstandings and miscommunication, and I think that that's something that's really timeless, and to see it in a Regency period novel is really fun, because you can see that this is not something that's just the 21st century.
0: Yeah, I I really resonate with that, and I talk about The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison pretty much every episode of this podcast, but you reminded me of that, because I think it's really powerful when older authors or books from the past include issues that we just have as 21st century teenagers, which for the bluest diets, like physical desire of qualities that you can't have. And for Emma, it's definitely that miscommunication that's so prevalent throughout the book. And then on a broader scheme, what do you look for in a good book altogether? I
1: think that you know the aspect of timelessness, when I consider something to be a masterpiece or something I really enjoy, it's something that I can relate to, whether it's based in Regency England or based in the present or based in a completely different country in a completely different era. What I like is that something can be taken through time and space and I can still relate to the main tenets of it
0: And that's definitely prevalent in Emma rings true for a lot of Jane Austen's work. So I have one more macroscopic question before we dive into the details of the plot. On the character Emma, Jane Austen once said that, quote, I'm going to take a heroine whom no one but myself will much like, end quote. Do you like Emma and at what point do good intentions become overshadowed by the outcome? Which I think is what happens a lot with the character Emma.
1: Yeah, I... I read that quote when we were reading Emma for an AP Lit class, and I thought it was so funny because all of my friends, when we would talk about the book, we would say, oh my gosh, I just love Emma, or she's annoying, and even though we all had different uh, perspectives on her thoughts and everything, we all kind of loved her, you know, her flaws and her misunderstandings, and I think that Jane Austen didn't expect anyone to love her but then all these young women were able to relate to her because of the timelessness of the piece and Jane Austen's insights into a teenage girl or a young girl's thoughts.
0: Yeah I think that every definitely every teenage girl maybe every teenager that reads the book can either see themselves in Emma or see someone they know in Emma which I think is a really nice thing. It's kind of comforting to know that Oh, other people read others that way, too. Um, And how would you, would you describe Emma as a good character? I know that her, she has good intentions, but do the outcomes of the things that she manipulates dictate whether or not she is a good character?
1: I think that she definitely always has good intentions. And a lot of the time, You don't exactly know where she's going with something or what she's doing. And Jane Austen tries to give us a little insight. Even then you're kind of like, oh my God, Emma, what are you doing? (laughs) Uh, But I really love her because it's, she's just a human through and through and she's not trying to cause anyone harm. But even when she's insulting someone by mistake she always feels bad about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that empathy and regret really makes her a good character.
0: Yeah, I mean, I keep falling back on this notion of Emma as a comfort book because I think everyone can read it and be like, oh, I totally remember that time where I was trying to do something nice for someone and it totally failed. Um, or
1: that, yeah, that one moment when you are talking to someone who's just annoying you and you say something and you thought, oh, that was so mean. I feel bad right. about that.
0: <laughs> that retroactive um, guilt that I think Emma, feels in the end I think in the end she knows she has a stronger moral compass so yeah. in the novel Frank Churchill who is a very diverse character due to the dichotomy between his honorable and annoying qualities says quote how often is happiness destroyed by preparation foolish preparation end quote This sentiment is also reflected in Emma's matchmaking abilities as they divert characters from pursuing who they truly love. Do you think that Emma's diversions rob the characters of happiness despite their happy ending? I think that it just made the path longer.
1: We knew sort of, you know, Jane Austen likes us to think that whoever is best for whoever will end up together she always gives us that really happy ending where everyone's paired how they should be. Everyone's happy and probably pregnant by the end in a Jane <laughs> Austen novel. But um, with her, I think that all Emma did was prevent something from happening quicker. Mm-hmm. All she did was prevent Harriet her happy ending, you know, months beforehand, but <laughs> she still
0: got it. Yeah, and that almost makes it more worth it, you could say. Yeah. They're more confident in their decision and i don't want to sound too machiavellian here but like it's kind of like the ends justify the means so i think if it ends happily the damage might not have been that bad no one died it's fine it's all in a movie yes exactly so speaking of harriet emma takes harriet smith a rather unremarkable young girl of certain parentage of uncertain parentage in as her protege and throughout the novel, attempts to elevate her status or at the very least, expresses her desire to do so. Do you think that by the end of the novel, Harriet benefits from her relationship with Emma?
1: I think that's honestly a hard one because even in the modern adaptations of Emma, you know, when we see Clueless, (laughs) um, you don't really see the benefits of Emma's guidance in Harriet and it's almost the only benefit she really gets is that she sees someone's trying to change me even though Emma had great intentions she says okay Harriet's able to say okay she tried to change me but being myself is what got me my happy ending Mm -hmm. so I think that did make Harriet more certain of herself but not any of the changes that Emma was trying to impose really
0: Yeah, I'd say it's a beneficial relationship for two reasons. The first is what you just mentioned in that Harriet can become more self-assured. Because I think that when we're presented with challenges to our identity, that's when we really figure out who we want to be. And secondly, I think it's nice to have, I think that you can always glean something from a relationship, even if it doesn't end positively, which Harriet and Emma's relationship doesn't positively but you can take any interaction you have with someone else and say okay here's what I've learned from it and I'm going to use this to benefit me so even if the connection between the two people specifically isn't positive you can make something positive out of it um so I think there's always that potential for them mm-hmm. um do you think that the fact that Emma became friends with Harriet in hopes of changing her qualifies a relationship as ill-intentioned?
1: Um, I think that Emma just always had good intentions and you kind of sometimes throughout your life you'll think look at someone and think I can kind of take you under my wing and since Harry is younger you I can kind of relate to it you know if there's kids I play tennis with or just some underclassmen that I think oh okay if you if I can guide you on the right direction, things will really end up well for you. Mm-hmm. And Emma took that really good intention and kind of messed it up. Yeah. but she really never had the bad intentions that we thought that she would. <laughs> that, yeah.
0: yeah, I think that's kind of where Emma's excessive self- assuredness or self-confidence is helpful because you need that confidence in yourself to believe that you can help others. so, I don't think it was ill-intentioned, but um, even if she presented Harriet with some challenges along the way. Yeah. Um, But if we're taking that idea, say it was started due to bad intentions, do you think that a friendship can be beneficial despite starting due to bad intentions?
1: I think things can always change. It definitely would be more of a challenge to have a friendship built on something like the bad intention to mess with someone's life or something like that Mm -hmm. but uh, things can always change as we see emma is a very very changing character she's a dynamic character Uh, and by the end she realizes the trouble in her ways even though there are hints that she probably will do it again um i think that just kind of realizing that people can change and especially in a novel where we don't, not everything has to be totally realistic that that definitely could be a possibility.
0: Yeah. Do you think that the person, I'm trying to phrase this in a way that makes sense. Do you think that because a person sees what they are doing as having good intentions means that it is good intentions or does it depend on the outcome or the way other people see it?
1: I think the word intention, you know, in the beginning you could end up really hurting someone, having great intentions, Mm -hmm. and you just, it's just a lack of foresight on Emma's part and too much confidence on her part, but I think that good intentions are good intentions and bad intentions are bad intentions.
0: Yeah, I think that good, something that is well intended doesn't necessarily have to go well. Yeah. The difference between a good intention and good. Yeah. <laughs> so and I think that we can we can agree that she does have good intentions, even if the things that ensue aren't necessarily good. Okay, at the beginning of the novel, it is made clear that Emma Woodhouse never intends to marry. She says she says things that affirm this intention, such as, quote, a woman is not to marry a man merely because she is asked, or because he is attached to her and can write a tolerable letter, end quote, end quote. If a woman doubts as to whether she should accept a man or not, she certainly ought to refuse him." End quote. Were you, Veronica, as a reader, disappointed that in the end, Emma marries Mr. Knightley? I actually liked that
1: outcome more for her because we can see in the beginning kind of Jane Austen speaking through her saying, women don't have to get married. Yeah. But then the fact that she was able to make her free choice and say, I like this person, I'm happy with them. I like how they make me feel. I like how they change me as a person. Um, I think that that makes it a better outcome because it shows that she had completely free will. She didn't have to get married like other women in Regency England. So it was a free choice for her.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree that the establishment of that choice is important. And I think, you know, we'd all love to see that female empowerment. Em- empowering narrative like she doesn't need a man she never needed a man and the book ends without her needing one Uh, Mm -hmm. but I think that since it's so clearly established that Emma doesn't feel the need to marry anyone you kind of get the the best of both worlds you get the emotional growth that she receives through her relationship with Mr. Knightley but also knowing that she doesn't have to marry him um, and that she has her own free choice so kind of going off of that How does her marriage change the meaning of the novel, in your opinion?
1: That's interesting. I think that her marriage shows a growth in her because in the beginning, it's a straight up refusal to get married. Mm -hmm. And I think that I would probably have a similar opinion if I were in her time period, because I wouldn't want that, you know, stripping of my rights, stripping of any power that I had or having to share any will that I had with a man, knowing how oppressive it was for women. But I think that the fact that she was willing to get married in the end shows that she had an emotional growth, she had a character development, but also she found someone she could
0: trust not to take anything from. her. I think that's really profound. And on the topic of Emma's change of perspective throughout the novel. It's clear that Emma undergoes emotional growth from the beginning of the plot on, as we've discussed. And how would you characterize these changes? And if you had to pinpoint certain experiences that contribute to Emma's growth, which would you select?
1: Um, I think the biggest changes in Emma's perspective are when things go horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> because she's not, she thinks she's very observant. She thinks that she's very wise but sometimes it takes a slap in the face Mm -hmm. um certainly when she realizes the mix-up that between frank's intentions and all and mr elton and everyone everything you can see the change in her where she realizes oh my god over and over again she has to realize i was wrong so i need to change my perspective i need to wait I need to stop jumping to conclusions. Mm -hmm. And it takes her a while, but she gets there. Yeah, and
0: I think that's part of what makes this novel so human is that everybody can relate to that, how sometimes you need to feel as though everything has been taken from you, or you've totally messed up and you need to start from scratch. And that's when the growth really begins. And sometimes you need that total change of mindset that's only promoted from big mistakes. (laughs) um okay so i believe mr knightley acts as the moral center of the book in a way he chides emma when she missteps but also shows kindness and compassion toward her with that taken into account what does their marriage or their relationship on a whole signify
1: i think their relationship since he is a very moral person upright and he upholds the formalities of Regency England without being silly about them. Mm -hmm. I think that that shows that Emma is willing to accept that new life. She's willing to accept a new perspective. Whereas in the beginning, she didn't want to accept anyone else's opinion or get married, you know, shown through that. She doesn't want to change for anyone. But by marrying Knightley, it shows she's willing to accept someone else's perspective into her life.
0: Yeah, and this is kind of cycling back to the marriage thing, but do you think that she could have undergone this change without getting married? Oh, certainly. She, I think that Jane Austen only had her
1: really get married tonightly because it showed that she had undergone it previously. The result of her changes were the marriage, not the result of, you know, the marriage did not cause her changes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think um it was a good way it didn't some might say it tied a little too neat of a bow how they they all got married three months in a row but um I it's pretty evident I think the changes happen first and then she gets married as a way to end the novel and I think that they're a good partnership yeah I do too everyone wants a nightly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what we're all looking for um so if you were to reread this book, how would you frame your thoughts while reading the novel again?
1: Um, I think I would cringe more, honestly,
0: yeah. because I
1: know how I knew how things were going to end up. Um, sometimes you're not sure. You get some sort of, uh, you know, you get a signal and you think, hmm, I think Emma might be wrong on this, and you, then you find it out. But since yeah. we know beforehand now, that she is very, very wrong about just about everything. Yeah. Um. I would be a little bit more like,
0: oh, Emma, what are you doing? <laughs> right, You. I feel like it would be easier to pick up on the clues. Yeah. That's where, pinpoint where she goes wrong. Or, mm-hmm. I, well, I do think some of her mistakes are just from the way she looks at life. Like it's not necessarily one wrong decision that causes her missteps but then other things it would definitely be easier to track
1: yeah i think so it my favorite quote is the beginning couple lines Mm -hmm. from the novel emma woodhouse handsome clever and rich with comfortable home and happy disposition, seemed to unite some of the best blessings of existence and had lived nearly 21 years in the world with very little to distress or vex her and i think that that shows it perfectly she just you know nothing really goes wrong for emma and it had to happen eventually for her to make some character growth
0: yeah and this is kind of an odd question to follow up with right after that quote but do you see yourself in emma at all
1: oh my gosh yes like that's easy to see you know i think both of us can kind of see a little bit of the you know we've been at academy and holy names we've been um you know kind of brought up in a very happy world very little to worry about except getting an A on a paper yeah. and what college we're going to and it's easy to see how Emma might not know how the real world works because she's been in this very small circle
0: yeah i i agree i do see myself a lot in Emma and i think it's pretty easy for um anyone in our shoes to see them as well and i think that it's kind of a humbling thing. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, wow, my perspective probably is very jaded. It's kind of a reminder of that. But it's also encouraging because you know that you have all of this growth and worldliness coming your way if we are like Emma and we follow that path without the matchmaking. I don't see that yeah. in the future. But um, I, yeah, I think it's an interesting, it's kind of thought provoking and comforting at the same time
1: and Jane Austen I read that she modeled Emma after her niece
0: Mm.
1: and so I thought first of all that if someone wrote a book like that about me I would be a little offended but um it's nice to see that Jane Austen not only was able to give insight into a youthful mind but also this was modeled after a real girl Mm -hmm. and she ended up fine hopefully yeah yeah It's nice to see that everything ends up okay, not only in the book, but also for the real life person.
0: Yeah, and I think that's so obvious throughout the book that um, Austin is modeling it after real human emotion and real, real people and people that she loves, you know, her niece (laughs) that's very close to her, even if it's not painted in the best light all the time. But um, that's really obvious throughout the book. And it's nice to see human emotion painted that vividly all right so i think that includes our discussion for today veronica thank you for joining me for today's episode it means the world to me to still be able to talk to my friends about books considering the numbers of readers in the world is diminishing day by day Um, listeners i'll catch you tomorrow for a bonus episode where i'll be creating a playlist according to my summer book selections